Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking. of the light breaks through. It's conceivable if the systems you're operating under and culture are crushing you, and you need consolation. In this time and season, you may be seeking inspiration. The goal of this podcast is to give you inspiration, practical solutions, and challenging conversations with a wide variety of relevant topics and knowledgeable guests. If you're not engaged in local church, I encourage you and pray for you that you will find and seek one out to get a deeper connection with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The world is changing and our ministry needs, not our beliefs, need to reflect those changes. This podcast may stretch you beyond your comfort zone, but you will never lose sight of who sits on the throne. So sit back, put on your seatbelts, and get ready for transformation. We're at a stage in society where we're trying to avoid saying things that would offend. We've reached a point now that people get attacked for speaking the truth. Here are quotes that connect me this week on the subject. Two pillars of political correctness are a woe for ignorance and B, a steadfast refusal to face the truth by George MacDonald. When faith meets political correctness, honesty suffers. In our attempts to honor people, to protect their feelings, respect their life choices, we often do it in a dishonest manner. We do not tell people the truth about the direction their life is taking for fear they may see us as intolerant or just mean-spirited. We have become sugarcoat experts. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is designed to explore how do Christians operate and flourish in this politically charged climate. My guest today is Dr. Greg Seltz, and Dr. Greg Seltz is Executive Director of Lutheran Career uh, Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. Um, the center is an organization that provides education, advice, advocacy, and resources in the area of religious liberty, life, and merit. Through his work, Dr. Seltz engages in discussions with our nation's, cap- our nation's capital and establishes partnerships and resources for the sake of our churches, schools, universities, and seminaries. Dr. Seltz previously served as a Speaker for Lutheran Hour radio program for seven years, where he acted as the organization's spiritual leader, evangelist, ministry emissary with the Lutheran Church of Missouri Senate, Lutheran Church of Canada. He is married, his wife Marie. And they have one daughter, Devin. Welcome. So thank you, Greg, for having no. taken the time with me today and Man, talk about these important pre- topics. Appreciate it, Keith. It's great to be here. Good. Yeah. So let's start out with an easy question. Give me the best advice anyone's ever given you. You know, honestly, that's not as hard as you might think uh, because I got it right before I took my first call. And I think it goes to this whole discussion of political correctness. And then, of course, there's a kind of a political aspect we'll talk about today, too. 
But ultimately, it's about being part of the church. And uh, Dr. Norman Nagel said, you know, when I got the call to be a pastor, he said, remember the church has been here 2,000 years before you. It'll be here 2,000 years after you. Pray that you usher it along faithfully. And I always got a kick out of that because here I thought I was this new young guy going out there. I was going to change the world. I was going to make sure everything's blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, man, you're not that big of a deal. So just make sure you understand the church is a big deal. Christ is a big deal. And, you know, honestly, that has served me well in all of my... to, To be humbled by the challenges of the world, to be humbled by relationships and all that... It's okay because when Christ is there in your humility, Christ is there in your strength, and you've got something to share with people. So I've always took that advice to heart. That's good advice. Yeah. I like that. So tell us about the work you do for Lutheran um, Center for Religious Liberty. Well, you know, that that work is kind of a, you know, when I left Lutheran Hour, Lutheran Hour I was trying to share the gospel, and, you know, I've been working in urban ministry all my life and sharing it in all different kinds of places, different people. And then to take the to take the role in D.C. D.C. is really just protecting the church. It's trying to protect the church's public space so the church can still be a public church to share the gospel with anybody who will listen. That is under attack. So I don't do the evangelism work that I used to do, and I miss that a lot. I mean, I miss it. I mean, I'm basically just trying to do my job so that the churches of, around the country can keep doing theirs. Yeah, that's an important work. And it is. So it's not that it's not important. It's just that I do miss those times I don't share the gospel as much as I used to do back in the day and that's really what I thought I was called to do with my life you know I, I get that I, I've been exactly where you're at so yeah administration's it. never been my thing is not, not as much fun as hands out well yeah people. you want to make a make a difference in people's lives and Jesus is the only one that makes a difference you just gave a talk about two kingdoms yeah for, for my listeners who don't understand the concept of the two kingdoms mm-hmm. how would you explain that to them like I try to make it simple I just say look God God, you know, first, there's some good news for you. God's at work in the world. I don't know what you think's going on in the world. I don't know if COVID's overwhelming you. I don't know if you're scared to death about some illness or you think the government's out to get it. Hey, God is at work. So when God is at work, there's hope. There's Even Jesus said, my words are the ones that, the things that give you freedom. So God is at work, but he's at work two different ways. And this is what people don't understand. He works to preserve the world through the vocations even of non-believers to keep it all hell from breaking loose in this world. And you can see how all hell can break loose. That's what we've been noticing the last couple months. But he works to preserve the world, but that's not his main work. His work is to save it. But you've got to differentiate those things. So the good news is God's at work. He preserves. He saves. Now, how can we be a part of his preserving and saving work? That's, so it's, again, just learning how to differentiate that and learning. But to be comforted by the fact God's at work. Right. Yeah, don't ever forget you know, as we look at what's happening in our world today, you being in D.C., you have a different perspective than we do. Mm-hmm. What would you tell our listeners who are probably discouraged mm-hmm. by D.C.? Yeah. That might be a bit of encouragement for... Well, I, tell, I try to keep it simple. I said, you know, whenever I listen to a politician, the one that tells me that he wants to help me is the guy that makes me nervous. Okay? So I, keep it, I try to keep it as simple as I can. The one that says, you know, we're not going to do that much for you, but we're going to try to make it fair for you. That's okay. And a lot of times we, we want the guy to do good things for us. That's usually the guy that gets in our way. So I always tell people, we're really fighting for religious liberty in D.C., which is basically to, to keep the government in its place. And the government wants to do everything for us today. And so that's, that's what makes me nervous. What I tell people, though, is, look, even if the government gets in our way in a lot of things, and it is, there's still going to be a need 
for the Christian merciful perspective in the middle of this stuff. I'll give you an example. You know, everyone talks about how the government's supposed to take care of us at the end of our life. Last place I want to be at the end of my life is in some government, you know, government installation. You know, you know, I think of my, my veteran friends who are at the VA sometimes. I think, man, you know, so again, no matter what, we're always going to be able to bring mercy into some of these things because the rest of the, the government does it as a job. Right. So when it cares for you, it's just a job. When we care for each other, it's a mission. Yeah. So again, I, I just tell people, but, but now if the government got out of the way in some of these places, I think it'd be way better. So that's kind of the tension. But even if it overruns us, don't despair, folks. You're always going to have something to share. What are some common misconceptions about this idea of separation of church and state? Oh, yeah. We hear that all the time. Well, first of all, people think it's to keep the church in its place. And honestly, even Jefferson, if you read Jefferson, it's to keep the state out of the church's business. So, you know, and, and by the way, whenever I, I have a little paper on it called a mom and pop paper, it's called, we call it a differentiation of church and state. And I say, it's a Christian idea. Who knew? So there is no such teaching in any other religion or philosophy. It's Christ who says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. And he differentiates God's preserving and saving work. Nobody else does that. So when these secularists are running around saying separation of church and state, they don't even realize it's a Christian worldview perspective. So I tell them, I said it was meant to protect the church because the founding fathers really believed that free individuals, religiously motivated, virtuously directed, would do more for each other than any government program could. Yeah, that's powerful. And that's what it's all about. Right. But once the state gets in the way, it's just a job. Right. Yeah. So that's what it's about. You talk a lot about freedom and where freedom comes from. Yeah. Can, can you kind of well open it up for our listeners? Again, I wish people thought of this through because it's the Bible's vision of us, not America's vision of us. Now, America got in on some of it, and I'm thankful that they did from a polity point of view. But it's God wants us to be free. He wants us to worship him in freedom and truth. And so that was what he wanted for us in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve messed it all up, you know, so he's had to preserve and save us, you know, from all that stuff. But, you know, when you read these Bible verses like in Galatians, it is for freedom that you've been set free. And then you read in Peter, he says, you know, you, you, you're called to live in freedom. Now, don't put your freedom to work for stupid, well, I'm paraphrasing now, for stupid things, you know. <laughs> So again, it's God wants his people to be free. And so, you know, we have all these people all over the world who yearn to be free. Well, even political freedom is nothing compared to the eternal freedom we have in Christ. So, so again, that idea that freedom, uh, that's a biblical idea. I wish people understood, read your Bibles, that freedom, that sense of freedom is way deeper than any government can ever give you. Yeah, Paul talks about the chains of the law being, you know, let free on us. Yeah. Just the idea of Imagine how it is to not have the the weight of God on yeah. your back. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. God gets God off our back. Yeah. Because you, know? <laughs> right. you won't get him off your back. That's but right. but you know you know when Jesus tells a story about the the man who's forgiven the ten thousand talents, I would say just think of having a million dollar mortgage when you're making thirty grand a year, and the bank says it's paid for. Right. That's the kind of free. He's giving you just a glimpse of what he wants for you. So. Right. Uh, yeah, so again, now that a country then honors that freedom as the compulsion and the undergirding of our political freedoms, wow, that's kind of cool too. But the freedom idea is a biblical idea. Start right. there yeah. and finish there. But, but you know, it's kind of funny because what the government try to do is 
like the Galatians talked about. Oh yeah. Let's let's re-enslave you. Yeah, let's re-enslave you. <laughs> right. yeah. Let's give you our version of the freedom. Right. And, and, but see, it's one. But that's the big fight. The big fight is that there are people who believe the government is everything, and so they're going to take all those concepts back, and they're going to tell you what it means now. And for we Christians, we go, no, your vision will never be big enough for me. You know. That's right. So again, it's really just you keep in your lim- limited place. And our founding fathers actually believed it should be in a limited place. I kind of jive with that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something that I hadn't heard about, the Equality Act. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us kind of what are the, what should the Christians need to know about this? Well, it's the taking the Equal Rights Amendment and it's adding uh, sexual orientation, gender identity to protected classes as if they're the same thing as biology, biological classes, religious class, classes, uh, racial classes. And the, the reality is... What it will mean then by force of law is that if you degree, if you disagree with the lifestyle uh, of those uh, classes or those behaviors, you will be illegal from the government's point of view. Uh, the ramifications of that, you know, it's just kind of interesting because we try to minister. All of us are broken, man. You know, all of us are broken. So, you know, the Bible talks about healthy male to male, healthy male to female, healthy female to female relationships. And none of us has a purely healthy one. But God defines those things, not us. The Equality Act, the government's going to define those relationships. <laughs> and like I always tell people, even if you disagree with the Bible's view on these things, the last person you want deciding what's healthy relationships is a government official. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Save us from that, at least. And so the Equality Act will say, no, we're going to define that for you by force of law. And immediately, most traditional Bible-believing churches will be illegal. Is that happening anywhere already in our country that we can? Well, kind of- Virginia just see the Virginia legislature just flipped. Uh, it's interesting. Virginia people often think Virginia is more of a conservative state, where the, the D.C. people who are conservative moved to Virginia. Well, evidently, not a lot of them moved there because it flipped. It's a very secular, progressive state overnight. Every so every uh, 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 major point of government is now secular progressive, and overnight they did sweeping things. And one of them is they enacted some of these uh, new identity uh, laws, and already churches are being asked to change their teaching in conformity with those laws, or they'll face a hundred thousand dollar fine for the first offense, and on and on and on. And if you know churches like I know churches, they don't have a hundred grand in any bank. And so it's going to put a lot of churches out of business, a lot of schools, preschools, etc. Again, why they have the right to to impose that way of thinking or that relationship way of thinking on the church, it's just because they can. And that's how they think it should be. Now, again, as Christians, we're just saying, let us be who we are. Right. And the last people we want to find in relationships are these government types. Because remember, the American jurisprudence is that you have equal protection under the law as an individual it never treats you like a group treats you as an individual and honestly that's the way you want the government to treat you the minute it starts treating you like a group you as a person don't exist anymore and that's not a good thing actually no that's not a good thing (laughs) so anyway that's what it's going to do by force of law and so traditional biblical morality will suddenly be illegal wow that's shocking yeah it is and they're they're coming yeah so we keep hearing in the news this is the most critical election in our lifetime. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and sometimes you get, don't you get exhausted by all these, I mean, if we don't do something right now, the earth is going to die, everything's going right, to die, exactly. we're going to die. And then I read the Bible, the word of the Lord endures forever. So I'm good with that. Um, but it is critical to this degree. Uh, for the first time in human history, there's been, a, there's been, I call them icebergs, okay? Icebergs move real slow. But when they hit, they hit. Right. And right now there's what I call a secular pietism in our culture. And I mean, it, it, it means to rewrite all the liberties we have and all the freedoms we have as if they have no biblical, no moral, no godly foundation. And since they own pretty much every outlet, they own the universities, they teach this stuff in the universities, they teach it, it's on, it's on your media, it's in, so they have pretty much every mouthpiece of culture. They don't, feel, uh, they don't feel like they have to hide who they are anymore. And they've got a lot of power in government too. That iceberg is hitting. And so that's the, the Equality Act, for instance, is what I call the, uh, it, it's, it's, it's basically put the Christian Church Out of Business Act is what it really should be called. So when, how did they get to the point where they have no problem being that, that crass about what they're right. going to do? They feel that they've got the power now in government to do it, that no one can stop them. So the religious liberty issue is a huge issue in this election. And if it goes one way, it will dramatically change the religious liberty of the church. If it goes the other way, uh, what I found out with politicians, they don't always do what they say even when they say the right things. <laughs> right. So I don't, like, again, I still don't put my faith in the politicians, but it will dramatically change our relationship to our own culture. Because we'll, as Christians, we will now be, by legal definition, second-class citizens. Wow. So that, you know, if you want to say, is it that vital? Well, that's what's at, at stake. Right. And, you know, I always tell people, look, I'm not afraid if it goes either way. But... The Apostle Paul used his liberties as a Roman citizen to protect himself. We still have First Amendment liberties way more than Paul had. Let's, let's learn how to fight some of this stuff back so that we won't be. I, I want my daughter to be able to go to church without being afraid of some government official chasing her down. Or I want to be able to pastor to speak boldly the word of God as he's reading it without having some Gestapo agent come running in and saying, off you go. Right. And, so, and, and that's a real possibility right now. It's happening in other Western countries already. Finland just arrested a Lutheran pastor because he teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman. He got arrested by his own country. And it's supposed to be a Western Christian country with the Bible as its foundational a book. Uh, it's just crazy so stuff. So this is real. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's very real. In fact, he and a government official are now, and they could face 30 years in jail for this. Oh. So, you know, it's kind of silly to us. We're like, live and let live. If you want to live that way, we're not going to tell you how to live, but don't tell me how to preach in my church right. or raise my families. But that's yeah. kind of where this stuff's at. So for Christians who want to get involved, I know you mm -hmm. teach churches and Christians how to do that. Yeah. We don't just tell you, go grab a sign and go run on the street. Don't so, do that. Yeah. So what do you, yeah. how do you get people prepared to go and make a difference? Well, we have a thing called the Champions for Liberty Weekend where I come and talk to you about all this stuff. And then we have a one-year process because what we don't want is the church to be more political. What we want them to be is more useful in God's hands in the things that are political so they can keep preaching the gospel. So you got to learn how to do that. And so we put you through a whole year process where you don't say one thing to your governor. You don't say one thing to your senator in the sense that the, the, we don't want you to go to my thing and then on Monday be harassing people on your telephone. We don't need that. And I, that includes for, I, I, I tell that to left-hand kingdom people, I mean to liberal churches too. We don't need you doing that either. But what we do need is people who really care about the public issues for the sake of the gospel and the community. And we're going to teach you the servant way of dealing with that. 
And so we put you through a whole process. So I would just say you can contact us. You can sign up for a Champions for Liberty weekend. Um, you can, obviously, you can start by just praying for your elected officials right now and voting according to your conscience. Talk to your pastor about these issues and then go vote. Uh, when it's all said and done, I think we Lutherans have let other people do this for us. And I, we used to be, Walter Meyer, the Lutheran Hour speaker, was one of the most prominent voices in our culture at one time. And we were the people who led these discussions before. So we need to get back into the game. If there's you lawyers, you poly, those who are in public service, we need all hands on deck from a Lutheran perspective. So um, we don't need necessarily pastors to be the ones leading this charge, but we need educated lay people to understand how God wants to use them. Yeah. So. so you don't teach us how to use Twitter then? <laughs> are there real people on twitter or not i, I know how to get 80 fake guys on twitter <laughs> we you know that's the funny thing when i go into speak of that leverage when i go into a senator or congressman's office they want to know how many people follow me because that's they, they don't care about me as an individual they just care well you got 2.2 million is that a legitimate i have to prove this 2200 schools then they go okay now you can sit and talk to me because it's all about constituents today right <laughs> So anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to share that's on your heart? Well, I, I mean, look, like I said before, I, I try to, even though I'm not really the speaker of the Lutheran Hour anymore, I try to make sure that I tell people I, this is not a defensive thing to talk about these issues. Cancel cultures out there. That's sad to me because they're canceling themselves out. Uh, I think I just talked about this, that there's a singer. I can't remember his name. And he's not a Christian. He just said to me, the cancel culture is I mean, they're canceling out mercy. And he's exactly right. He, I mean, here's a guy, I don't know if he's a Christian, but he got it. And I said, so for me, I try to make sure that people understand there's hope. But I do say we've got to get to, we've got to be salt and light. You know, we, we're going to have to learn how to actually preserve as well as proclaim the salvation. We haven't been good at the first one as much as the second. So, you know, if all I can say is hang in there. God already has us where he wants us to be. He doesn't need you to be a superstar. He just needs you to be the best you that you can be. But learn how to be a two-kingdom citizen. Right. And we'll help you any way we can. Oh, you know, go to our website, too, lcrlfreedom.org. we got tons of resources there for you, lcrlfreedom.org. And after that, let the chips fall where they may. Well, thank you, Greg. I really appreciate this time and you sharing with us kind of your heart and your ministry. And keep fighting the good fight. We we need you up there. We need your voice. We need the knowledge to know what to do as believers in this world. So just thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Pleasure's mine. Great to be with you, too. If you want to follow this podcast, you can follow on all the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google. I invite you to share this podcast with your friends on social media. I want to thank my daughter, Sharon, who edits my podcast for me. Uh, Thank you for joining me today on this life transformational journey. Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bkeithhaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.